It's February 13th, and we are making our way through the Bible this year, and we'll cover the entire Old and New Testaments and travel through the book of Psalms twice. My name is David McAdam, and this is the one-year Bible tour. It's a joy to be reading these daily portions with you and serve as a tour guide to point out some of the highlights and prompt your meditation and thankfulness this day. We are in the book of Exodus. God has given the Ten Commandments included in the 613 Commandments and also the blueprints for the construction of the sanctuary, the tabernacle, which is prophetically speaking of the ground of redemption needed for the establishment of a relationship with the God of glory. So we continue our journey in the book of Exodus, chapter 35, beginning with verse 10. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat, and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light, and its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle the altar of burnt offering, with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court, and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, every one whose heart stirred him, and every one whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And every one who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goatskins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And every one who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair, and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light, and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood 
for work in every skilled craft, and he has inspired him to teach both him and Ahaliab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Chapter 36 Bezalel and Ahaliab and every craftsman in whom the Lord had put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Ahaliab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, every one whose heart stirred him up to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. And all the craftsmen among the workmen made the tabernacle with ten curtains. They were made of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns, with cherubim, skillfully worked. The length of each curtain was twenty-eight cubits, and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. All the curtains were the same size. He coupled five curtains to one another, and the other five curtains he coupled to one another. He made loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtains of the first set. Likewise, he made them on the edge of the outermost curtain of the second set. He made fifty loops on the one curtain, and he made fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that was in the second set. The loops were opposite one another. And he made fifty clasps of gold and coupled the curtains one to the other with clasps. So the tabernacle was a single whole. He also made curtains of goat's hair for a tent over the tabernacle. He made eleven curtains. The length of each curtain was thirty cubits and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. The eleven curtains were the same size. He coupled five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves, and he made fifty loops on the edge of the outermost curtain on the one set and fifty loops on the edge of the other connecting the curtain. And he made fifty clasps of bronze to couple the tent together that it might be a single whole. And he made for the tent a covering of tanned ramskins and goatskins. Then he made the upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood, Ten cubits was the length of a frame, and a cubit and a half the breadth of each frame. Each frame had two tenons for fitting together. He did this for all the frames of the tabernacle. The frames for the tabernacle he made thus, twenty frames for the south side, and he made forty bases of silver under the twenty frames, two bases under one frame for its two tenons, and two bases under the next frame for its two tenons. For the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, he made twenty frames, and there forty bases of silver, two bases under one frame, and two bases under the next frame. For the rear of the tabernacle westward, 
he made six frames. He made two frames for the corners of the tabernacle in the rear, and they were separated beneath but joined at the top, at the first ring. He made two of them this way for the two corners. There were eight frames with their bases of silver, sixteen bases under every frame, two bases. He made bars of acacia wood, five for the frames of the one side of the tabernacle and five bars for the frames of the other side of the tabernacle and five bars for the frames of the tabernacle at the rear westward. And he made the middle bar to run from end to end halfway up the frames. And he overlaid the frames with gold and made their rings of gold for holders for the bars and overlaid the bars with gold. He made the veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen with cherubim skillfully worked into it he made it. And for it he made four pillars of acacia and overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were of gold and he cast for them four bases of silver. He also made a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen embroidered with needlework and its five pillars with their hooks. He overlaid their capitals, and their fillets were of gold, but their five bases were of bronze. So what are some of the imagined headlines we might read in the newspapers at this time? Local artists commissioned for divine service. Exodus 35, verses 10 through 36, verse 2. Moses stops receiving donations as fundraising goals for a building project are exceeded. Exodus chapter 36, verse 4. Artists in residence host workshop to pass on skills and craftsmanship. Exodus 35, verse 34. Today's reading begins with a call to artists, inviting them to participate in a divinely commissioned construction project. Both men and women are encouraged to use their God-given talents in the construction of the tabernacle in Exodus 35, verse 20, which will be the means of expressing vital truths concerning the glory of Jesus Christ and His perfect work of redemption. There are plenty of opportunities for artists to serve. Their talents are to be used to articulate truths about God that would be expressed in both the form and the function of the tabernacle. Within the parameters of the pattern given to Moses on the mount, the artists are free to fashion the details as their hearts are stirred with a skill, in Exodus 35, verse 26. Skilled artisans who have talent working with cloth, skins, wood, precious stones, and metal discover how their gifts can be used in a project that was bigger than themselves. They submitted their skills to the Lord and used them in accordance with the direction of God's word and the supervision of Bezalel, who was filled with the Spirit for that purpose. Bezalel was known for his attention to beautiful detail. He would supervise the work and ensure that the results would be according to the divine design and to the satisfaction of his God-given aesthetic sensibility. Notice the breadth of Bezalel's artistic skill and the call for creativity. In Exodus 35, verse 31, And he, that is the Lord, has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and in silver and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for setting, and in the carving of wood, so as to perform in every inventive work. Not all the art was exactly representational. For example, the Lord asked for pomegranates of alternating color, 
some scarlet and purple, which are common, but he also asked for pomegranates that were blue, Exodus chapter 28, verse 33. The variegated sequence of color was highlighted by interspersed golden bells also sewn onto the hem of the priest's garments. It was also possible that the effect would be that the eye of the beholder would mix the colors of the blue, red, and purple threads. In this case, Bilzalel's work was 3,000 years ahead of the French Impressionists. Notice the teamwork. Both Bilzalel and Ahaliab were inspired with God-given talents as artists. He has filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver, of a designer, and of an embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet material and in fine linen and of a weaver as performers of every work and makers of designs. Bezalel and Ahaliab were skilled in both two- and three-dimensional art. They were sculptors, carpenters, jewelers, and embroidery designers. They had a good sense in the use of color. Moses said, They excel in all the crafts we will be needing in the work, in Exodus chapter 35, verse 35. Not only were Bezalel and Ahaliab skilled in a variety of artistic disciplines, but they were also gifted teachers, able to train others. They took time for this important work. In verse 34, he also has put in his heart to teach, both he and Ahaliab, the son of Ahazamach of the tribe of Dan. What place do artists have in the ministry of the church today? How are they encouraged to use their gifts? Do artists take time to teach and train others in this God-glorifying work? In verse 1 of chapter 36, Now Bezalel and Ahaliab and every skillful person in whom the Lord has put skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary shall perform in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Ahaliab and every skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him, to come to the work to perform it. Notice how the Lord was acknowledged in having given the artist the skill, the understanding, and the knowledge, as well as being the one who stirs the heart of the artist to participate in the work. This is a good example of divine calling or vocation. How has your heart been stirred to participate in what God is doing today? How are you using your God-given talents for His glory? In Exodus chapter 36, we have the record of people giving more than what was asked for. In Exodus 36, verse 5, we read, They said to Moses, The people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command, and proclamation was circulated throughout the camp, saying, Let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more, for the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to perform it. Can you imagine that? This is a testimony of God-inspired giving. Moses had to restrain the people from their joyful contributions because they had already collected more than enough to complete the job. The explanation? Their hearts were moved. They were inspired by the Lord in Exodus 35:29. Notice the repeated mention of 50 loops on the curtains. The Greek word for 50 is Pentecost. On the 50th day of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given to the church. Just as the 50 clasps held the various curtains together, the Holy Spirit binds believers together in unity. Commentators have seen how the number 50, 
relates to the envisioned ingathering of both Jews and Gentiles that the finished work of Christ will make possible when he is raised from the dead and ascends as the perfect high priest to be exalted as head of the body at the right hand of the Father. One Holy Spirit unites and indwells believers. They are the new temple of the Holy Spirit. Notice that all the boards were to stand on silver sockets, silver speaking of redemption. It is only because of the work of our Redeemer that we can stand as a testimony to His grace. Now let's read from the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, continuing with the crucifixion of Christ. We continue reading chapter 27, beginning with verse 32. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they have offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests, with the scribes and elders, mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. 
and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that impostor said, while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Crucifixion was the most shameful and painful way to execute a criminal under Roman law. The Jews did not have the authority to execute the death sentence. This was Jesus' passive obedience. He came to die a unique death. It was the perfect atoning death, planned before the foundation of the world. Having fulfilled God's demand for righteous living, satisfying the law with His act of obedience, He would now be delivered to the world system, both Jews and Gentiles, who would have him crucified. He was obedient unto death, not just any death, but this particular death, obedient to the death of the cross. Notice the passive voice of the prophecies, led like a lamb to the slaughter, numbered among the transgressors, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The passive voice is employed as Jesus becomes the scapegoat, He takes our guilt, our blame, our punishment. Jesus is subject to the wrath of men and then the wrath of God. He is stripped, mocked, beaten, scourged, spat upon, crowned with thorns. He starts up the Via Dolorosa, carrying his own cross in John 19, verse 17. But soon we read, he is brought to Golgotha, implying that the soldiers had to move him along. Matthew draws our attention to the fact that Simon the Cyrene from northern Africa is pressed into service to help Jesus carry his cross in Matthew 27, 32. And when they crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. These events fulfill the prophecies of Psalm 22, verses 12 to 18. Particularly, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalm 22, verse 18. When criminals were crucified in public shame, their crime would be inscribed on the placard over their heads. Jesus' crime was explicitly stated, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. The Gospel of John tells us that Pilate himself had authorized this statement. In John 19, verse 19. When the religious authorities wanted a change to, He claimed He was the King of the Jews, God sovereignly overruled and ensured this truth claim would be published in the language of the government, that is Latin, culture, that is Greek, and religion, that is Hebrew. Pilate says, What I have written, I have written. So shall it stand. Jesus endures the verbal abuse of passers-by, the religious leaders, and the two thieves crucified at his side. Having endured the wrath of men for the first three hours that Jesus is on the cross, He endures the wrath of God for the final three hours. These would be three hours of darkness in which Jesus is identified with our lostness and forsakenness as a result of bearing our sin. 
He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From Psalm 22. He calls out, My God. He does not call upon God as Father again until he announces that his atoning work is complete. Verse 50 tells us that Jesus cried out with a loud voice and then yielded up his spirit. The Gospel of John tells us that his loud cry was a victory shout, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full, in John chapter 19, verse 30, and that this was followed by him saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Fellowship is restored through the perfect atonement. Once Jesus has died, the impact of his priestly sacrifice on behalf of sinners is registered in the temple by the fact that an earthquake-induced trembling that causes the veil that excluded worshippers from God's presence into the holiest of all was torn in two from top to bottom, emphasizing that it was an act of God from above. This event illustrates what Jesus has accomplished as described in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There is no more need for temple sacrifices, priests, altars, or veils. Jesus has finished the work of salvation on the cross. Matthew records the earthquake and the phenomenon of the dead coming out of their graves after Jesus' resurrection in Matthew 27, verses 52 to 53. Just as the earth shook at the giving of the law at Sinai, the earth shakes with Jesus fulfilling the law, and the resurrection of these Old Testament saints signifies that Jesus has conquered death. The New American Standard Bible and King James Version translations emphasize that the dead did not appear out of their graves until after Jesus' resurrection. And those who have studied earthquakes and the temple believe that it was the outer curtain that was torn in two. The Bible doesn't explicitly say which veil was torn, but the image still is clear. God has made a new and living way by which we can approach a holy God. The Roman centurion, witnessing these things, makes a profession of faith. Truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus is buried, as was prophesied, in a rich man's grave, when ordinarily a crucified criminal's body would be put into a common mass grave. Isaiah 53, verse 9, His grave was assigned with the wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Apparently the disciples had forgotten Jesus' prophecies of his resurrecting on the third day, but his enemies did not. They asked for a Roman guard to be posted at the grave. How unique! When have we ever had a guard set at a tomb because of a threatened resurrection? Without knowing it, the Jewish authorities were helping to prove the authenticity of the claim that Jesus was raised from the dead and is alive forevermore. And now we'll be reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. And Robert Meck will be reading this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, 
and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. What a great psalm that is. The name Lord is used 16 times in this psalm. Note the verbs describing our offering of praise to the Lord. Extol, boast in the Lord, glorify, exalt, seek the Lord, fear the Lord, come to Him, listen to Him, look to Him, cry out, call, and taste and see that the Lord is good. Practice these verbs today and you too will be radiant as you look to Him. We're continuing to read from the book of Proverbs. My son, Jonathan McAdam, will be reading from Proverbs 9, verses 7 to 8. Jesus spoke of the dangers of throwing pearls before the swine in Matthew 7, 6. He also recognized that some people are not teachable. The wise man knows how to receive reproof. Listen to this proverb. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. There's a lot of wisdom here on how to handle difficult people and how important it is for us to be direct and honest and loving and true in our communications. Let's pray. Lord, help us to discern what you are doing today and how the gifts you have given us can be of service. Help us to express the truths about your glorious work of salvation as members of your body, your living tabernacle. We are so grateful for your victorious defeat of the rule of sin and death at the cross. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Truly, we have tasted and seen that you are good. We look to you today as our all and in all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us on our Bible reading journey. If this podcast is a blessing to you, or if you have any questions or comments, you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a free written copy of each day's commentary on the one-year Bible readings of the day with charts, illustrations, and maps, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can also learn about New Life's ministries, download free growth tools such as how to know God personally. And don't forget to subscribe or follow this one-year Bible tour guide wherever you get your podcasts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.